Yo, 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 what's good? What's good? It is your boy, S. Foster, back for another episode of 28 Minutes or Less. And this is episode 114 of the podcast. And I'm back on my series uh, that I love to do on this podcast. It's one of my favorite topics to do when it comes to subject matters because I'm just fascinated with these people, these uh, these guys who were um, just leaders. Now, whether they were leading in the wrong or right direction, that's to be determined. I'm not promoting this type of stuff. This is just more of something that I just really think is interesting. And um, I've done a multitude of people. I've done who have I done? I've done the Smith Brothers. I've done the Chamber Brothers. I've done Felix Mitchell, Ricky Freeway Ross. Like I've done a multitude of people. But the person that I have today, um, I feel like he's not as as well known, um, except, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to Chicago, Illinois, because this is where he, you know, where he done all of the things that he done. But I mean, not that he didn't become a global person, but it's just a person name that you just really don't hear that much. And the person that I'm talking about is Willie Lloyd. That's my subject matter today. He was, you know, one of the leaders of the almighty Vice Lord Nation. Um, you know, like I said, it was in Chicago. You know, Chicago around these times, it was, there was a, a good bit of gangs that were, that was really, really popular at the time. I mean, you had the Vice Lords, you had the Blackstone Rangers led by Jeff Fort, which I did an episode on Jeff Fort. Um, you had the Gangster Disciples, you know, around this time. So there was a lot of things going on in Chicago during these times. And I've done an episode on um, Benji a few episodes back, you know, he, like these names was mentioned in that 30 for 30. You know what I mean? Like that was just a part of growing up in Chicago at this time. And just to hear about some of the things that these guys had to live through. I mean, even the people who got involved in this game, um, it just, you know, it had to be rough. I mean, you hear people talk about how Chicago was looked at at this time. They were just like, man, you can have, you know, 15 like different sets just in the city limits of Chicago. So it's like there's, uh, you know, you got the Gangsta Disciples, the Vice Lords, you got the Black Stone Rangers. You got leaders that are going back and forth, speaking to each other. Like there's just a lot of things going on and a lot of moving parts. But, you know, when it comes to a guy like Willie Lloyd, you know, who uh, grew up without any parents or guardians, you know what I'm saying, the supervising, which was crazy. You know what I mean? Just being 12 years old, you don't really know what happened to his parents. But, you know, when he was 12 years old, he ended up, you know, joining the Unknown Vice Lords, which was a local game at the time. And, this, and we're talking about the 60s, you know what I'm saying? A 12-year-old in the 60s, which seems more um, viable to happen when it comes to the 60s. Because, I mean, at, that, at those times, there wasn't like, you know, teachers or principals, you know, calling your house, telling you like, hey, you know, your son didn't show up to school today and those type of things like that. Like, people was more opt to just stop going to school in those times. So you could see how nobody was really supervising this kid. Um, I know when it comes to the great Uncle Washington, 
you know, he told me that when he was in high school, like obviously he was older, but you know, he was basically on his own. He was living at the top of a gym. And he was just like, the way he would describe it is just, I don't really have a reason to tell you why I went to school. But he was like, the only thing that he could think of was like, yo, that's where my friends were. So I just went to school to go to school. And he was like, he didn't have any, you know, person telling him, yo, uh, you need to get up and go to school today. So things like that back in those times, in the 60s and 70s, it was more opt to, you know, someone being on their own because there's not really anybody calling social services and all those types of stuff. A lot of the times people are just minding their business. So he ended up joining the game at 12 years old. And as it turned out, Lloyd had just a knack from being a leader. I mean, this was shown very, very early because within two years of joining this game, this dude had the recruitment skills to where he ended up getting a thousand followers. A thousand people at the age of 14. So obviously this dude had a knack for just speaking to people and people following them. And I remember speaking about on the episode where I was like, we was on the Viewers Anonymous, me and my guy Scoots Bronson. And we were talking about that I believe that there's only like probably even less than 1% of people that lives on this earth where I forget what the number is now. I think we got like maybe 8 billion people on the planet, something like that. I don't really keep up with the numbers, but I was like maybe only less than 1% of those people are followers. I mean, excuse me, are leaders and more people are followers. And that's how you can end up getting people to, to just listen to what people say because there are only a select few of people that are leaders. And a leader can go both ways. Either people can lead you to, not necessarily the promised land, but just more of like, they can lead you in the right direction. And you also can have people that can lead you in the wrong direction. Now you still are considered a leader but just because somebody led you either astray or led you down a good path, that's up to the way you perceive it. And that's why you can't really be a follower because if you have a 14 year old that's able to convince you to follow the path of going into the vice lords, you also got to consider what are these kids living? I mean, it doesn't even really say if they were kids or not. So let me not say that they were all kids, but when you look at their living situations, they're probably just looking for a way out of dealing with the things that they're dealing with. I mean, we're talking about a 12 year old who didn't have any parents or any guardians and he joins the gang. And then all of a sudden, this dude get a, a thousand people to follow what he's doing and what he's saying. So that makes you think of, okay, what are their life situations? What are the things that they're going through where they would end up following a dude this young? It makes you think things can't be going too great in their situation. So that was in the 60s. And then Willie Lloyd ended up landing himself in jail for the first time. And that was in 1971 where he was with three other people, three members of the Vice Lords, and they had rented a hotel. And they ended up going out of the city. They ended up going to uh, somewhere in Iowa. And so they broke into a hotel room 
and they ended up robbing the tenants of the hotel room and they held them at gunpoint, you know, of all those type things. And ended up being a shootout where one of the gang members had ended up shooting the state trooper, you know what I'm saying, while they was fleeing the scene. So that ended up landing him in jail where Lord ended up getting 25 year sentence, right? So we're talking in 1971. So in the 60s, he was, you know, 12 to 14. So we're talking about this dude still probably a teenager at this time. Has to be a teenager at this time. So he gets sentenced to 25 years in jail at this young age. So, no, excuse me, he was 20. He ended up being 20 at the time. So I, I would think he was more like 18, 19. So he was 20 at the time when this happened. So despite getting 25 years, Willie only served 15 of those years. So Willie ended up getting out. So now you're thinking about it. So 20, so he did 15. So my man is 35 years old at this time. So now Willie gets out. Obviously he's gonna come back to Chicago because that's where everything started. So Willie's like, yo, I want my position back as being the gang leader. And so what ended up happening, because he didn't really have any money flowing in because you know he was robbing people in hotels. So he has to figure out a way to get his money up. So at the time he foresaw being a drug dealer and implicated street tax. You know, which we see a lot of that happen you know, when you watch a lot of these mob movies, right? It was it was it was really shown a lot in the Irishman. You know what I'm saying? You can see it in the Irishman where they would go to different businesses and be like, yo, if you want protection, you pay us money. You know what I'm saying? You also seen this in Goodfellas as well. You know, like one of the scenes where they ended up burning down one of the, um, I think it was a restaurant. They burnt down the restaurant because the dude wasn't paying. You know what I'm saying? Like you also see seen this in The Sopranos. You know what I'm saying? So this wasn't a tactic that wasn't not normal. It was something that they ended up taking from like the people like the Italians, you know, and those such, such things like that. So what he just did, he just did it from a black point of view. You know what I'm saying? We just started taking tax, you know what I'm saying, from people on the streets. And if you didn't pay, you was either murdered or extorted. That's, I mean, that's all it was to it. So this isn't something, this is not reinventing the wheel. This is more of like, hey, this is what they did. So we're just gonna do the same thing and I'm just gonna make my own version of it, right? So now what ended up happening with, you know, growing in numbers and local authorities had ended up putting him back in prison, <laughs> but they was unable to find any charges that would, you know what I'm saying, leave Lloyd in prison. So he ended up getting really lucky and didn't, nothing ended up happening to him at that time. So Willie Lloyd had ended up getting pulled over in 1988, right? For a, tra a regular traffic violation. And they discovered a MAC-10, right? 
So I ended up finding that and they found a nine millimeter. They found a few other weapons like that. And then he ended up doing some other legal activities that um, he ended up spending three years in prison. So he's behind bars and he's managing his operation, which we hear a lot of people end up doing once they get locked up. This isn't anything new. Um, anytime that there's a guy with leaders, well, no, he's the leader, but anytime you have a guy with followers, they're always able to run that enterprise while they are locked up. Because that's why I say it's, it's the weirdest thing how this person, in my eyes, who is powerless, right? You're behind bars. There's nothing that you can do to me. I mean, yeah, you can call an order, but it's just like, it's very interesting how the human brain works to where this person can't physically do anything to you, but can still tell you what to do, which I've always thought was the weirdest thing, but hey, to eat your own. So, like I said, he was three years in prison and he ended up developing an addiction to heroin, which people started to finally question his leadership of like, yo, this stuff that we selling, now this dude is on it. You've always heard the line, never get high off your own supply. But when you think about a guy who 20 years old, he serves 15 years in prison. Now we don't know what he was doing in those 15 years. So with being only 20 years old at the time, half of his life, just about half of his life was in prison. He get out for a little while, and then he goes back for three years. So now this dude is doing heroin. Now upon that sentence, Lloyd goes back to Chicago after those three years, go back to Chicago and he wants to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I'm still the leader of the, you know what I'm saying? The vice lords or whatever. And so at the time there's a guy named Baby Ty that's like, yo, I became the leader while you was locked up. I'm gonna stay the guy. So this is what Willie Lord, this is the thing that popped up in his head. So after three years, I get addicted to heroin and I think that I'm just gonna come back and I'm going to be the leader of the Vice Lords again. Baby Ty, it's like, yo, this is my position. You just gonna have to, you know what I'm saying? Fall in line, basically. So this is what Willie Lord decides that he's gonna do. He is going to abduct Baby Ty's brother and hold him for ransom for $6,000, right? So he pays him the money and William get his brother back. But you, you know that in this type game, it's not as simple as that. It's not gonna be that simple. So like, I give you the money, give me my brother, but that ain't how the game work. So he send dudes to go shoot him up. And in a result of that, Willie Lord, infant son, and that exchange had ended up getting shot. And 
all the retaliation that's going on between there, Williams put himself behind bars for that murder of Willie Lloyd. And it wasn't just Willie Lloyd's son, but he had some other relatives. So then he ended up getting locked up. So like, that's why I say like this whole game is crazy when it comes to Willie Lloyd. Cause Willie Lloyd have a very, very interesting story. It's a wild, wild story. So at the same time, that Williams, baby, um, baby Todd was locked up. He was incarcerated in 1994. Then all of a sudden, there's an anonymous temp that will send out the police to Willie Lloyd that said that he got illegal weapons. So look at this leadership. Let's 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 take a look at this. So you have a guy like Baby Todd who ended up getting. He ended up getting the, the title of being the leader of the almighty vice lords, right? An OG who was the leader of that gang. He spent some time behind prison, get addicted to drugs, and then he come back and he won his position. He kidnapped his brother for a $6,000 debt pay him the money, shoot at him, right? Keep following me, shoot at him. Where some family members die from Lloyd, he gets locked up and what does he does? He snitches. He snitches on Willie Lloyd and says that he got illegal weapons. So now authorities, they raid Lloyd's house and found a nine millimeter gun Despite Lloyd saying that they planted the gun, he still was arrested and served 24-hour lockdown facility for eight years. So you got 15, you got three, and then you got 15. No, wait a minute, no, eight, excuse me. So 15, three, and eight. So then, Willie Lloyd is released in 2002, right? Now this is where stuff get really crazy when it comes to Willie Lloyd. And this is what makes, another thing that makes his story, you know what I'm saying, more interesting. So he's released in 2002, just walking the streets and what he ended up doing not walking the streets. He walks away from the street life. He's like, yo, I'm not gonna do this shit no more. Like, I spent half of my life in prison at this point. So now, you know, where you see a lot of people do. Now, th there are stories where the people do turn their life around. You know what I'm saying? You look at a guy like Melvin Williams, who was the, the leader of a gang, I would say, in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, when he got out, you know what I'm saying, he ended up getting involved in one of, a lot of people call one of the top shows when it comes to The Wire. It was, The Wire was, you know what I'm saying, was built around here, like, um, what's my dude's name? Avon Barksdale. Like, he was, Marvin, Marvin Williams was basically the real, 
uh, Avon Barksdale. And when he got out, you know, he got involved in movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So, you know, he turned his life around. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Carnell Jones, which he turned it around, but he ended up going back to jail because he ended up scamming people out of money. But anyway, so he worked for Chicago School Public Health under the program of Chicago Project for Violence, where he would reach out to activists, uh, with active members of one of the churches of the West Side Church Project, and where he would, you know, mentor gang members to try to get them to, you know what I'm saying, to, to turn their life around. So at this time, we all know that he still got enemies that don't forgive him for some of the crimes that he did back in the day. You know, you also got to remember, he was doing the whole tax thing. And if you wasn't paying your quote unquote tax, they would extort you, they would torture you, or they would kill you. So there's still a lot of people that are pissed off at a guy like Willie Lord, which you can't blame them. They're still mad at this guy. So what ended up happening to Willie Lord is he ended up getting shot six times in 2003 where he was walking his dogs the word went around quickly that he was shot and then next thing you know Willie Lord survived those shots but it left him paralyzed from the neck down um, this dude had nine surgeries in nine hours soon after he was shot and this is just people not forgiving you for what you're done. And I think that it's really tough to remain in the neighborhood that you terrorized years before and think that people are going to be okay with you just saying like, yo, my, I, I changed my life. I'm going down a new path. And I get you trying to go back to your community to clean up your community. But at the same time, your community may not forgive you for what you've done. And Chicago is a very, very interesting place. Like it still has its problems today, but it's not just Chicago. I mean, America still has problems, not even just America, but the world. Like there's a lot of things that are going on that are not favorable, but just the names, you know what I'm saying? When you think about Chicago, you know what I'm saying? You got a guy like Willie Lloyd. You got a guy like Jeff Fort. You got a guy like um, Larry Hoover. And you got guys who were trying to do different things. Um, like uh, my guy Chairman Fred Hampton. You know what I'm saying? Who, who died way too soon. And I've always said that Fred Hampton was my favorite person in history and even though his life was taken short um, at the age of 21 to think about the things that he was able to do in a short amount of time um, for him to be recognized for the things that he done where he I mean from the age of 18 to 21 the impact that he made in a place like Chicago and it makes you think if he was able to get, you know, he, he, he spoke to Jeff Fort um, when it comes to the Blackstone Rangers. 
You know, he, he spoke with people with the Vice Lords. You know, he even talked to the young Patriots, the Patriots, where he was getting people together to where he was trying to make change. You know, a lot of this was, um, was shown in the great film, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And that's one of the big what ifs. Like we have a lot of what ifs in this world. What if Fred Hampton was not taken at 21? What if Dr. Martin Luther King wasn't taken in 1968? What if Bobby Kennedy wasn't taken in 68? What if Malcolm X wasn't taken in 64? Even when it comes to a guy like JFK, if he wasn't taken in 63 and Lyndon B. Johnson didn't take over and sign the bill for the civil rights in 1964 and the voters' right in 65, you know, would it, would, what if JFK wasn't shot and he wasn't stalling and he never changed it? You see what I'm saying? Um, there's a lot of what ifs. Um, the reason I bring all of that up because what Chairman Fred Hampton was doing in the city of Chicago, what if he wasn't taken away? What if J. Edgar Hoover didn't do the Corintel Pro that he did to Fred and Fred was able to actually speak with a guy like Willie Lloyd, Jeff Ford, you know, Larry Hoover, get all these guys in the room and try to get them to look at life from a different point of view and really get involved in what he was doing with the Black Panther Party in Chicago, in that Chicago chapter. It makes you think, like would Chicago be in the position that it is today if Cointel Pro wasn't going on with Chairman Fred Hampton to see now one man we know can make a change for the positive. Fred was doing that. And he was doing it in that city. Now can you get everybody to change what they're doing? No, that's not how life works. But we hear these stories of these guys like what Willie Lord was doing when he was talking to gang members and trying to get them to take a different path. You know, when you look at a guy like Free Ray, Ricky Ross, he did the same thing, you know what I'm saying, when he got out, where he came up with these programs or where he was talking to, you know, drug dealers and, and gang members in the, um, in the California area, area where he was trying to get them to change what they're doing. So it's always interesting to see how these guys do have a change of heart and this is what happened to him and like he was speaking in American Gangster where he was just like yo turn away from this life like look like basically look at my life I spent half of my life in prison and then when I do make that change not only okay I spent half of my life in prison I get addicted to heroin you know what I'm saying I kidnap somebody and then within the result of me kidnapping somebody, I get family members taken out, right? And then that guy snitched on me when he got locked up for shooting at my family, right? Then I go to prison, I get out and I'm trying to make a change. 
And because people don't forgive me from, for the sins of my past, now I get shot six times and now I'm paralyzed from the neck down. Now think about that for a second. Is it worse? Like you think about what's worse, spending the rest of your life in prison or being paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, think about that. I mean, being paralyzed, it don't, I mean, look, life in prison isn't good either. Like, none of these choices are good. That's, the whole point of what I'm saying is, none of it is a great end result. But it's like, to be paralyzed on top of all of that, like, that sounds terrible. And when it comes to Willie Lloyd, like, he wasn't a guy that is, like, really known of, like, making millions and millions of dollars. Like, he was a scrappy dude. Like I said, like, you know what I'm saying? He started out doing an armed robbery in a motel in Iowa. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not, like, one of those guys who, you know, thinking about, like, a guy like Felix Mitchell, like, the money that he was making. You know what I'm saying? The numbers that the Chamber Brothers was making. Like, he wasn't doing that. Like, he wasn't making money like Rayford uh, Edmonds. Like, he wasn't making money like them. But, you know, with him taking the tactics from the Mafia to try to give street tax and stuff like that, like, he was more around that. But his name still rings in a place like Chicago. It's wild, man, it's wild. So um, this one was a little different from the other ones. Um, this one's a little shorter, but um, just a little something I wanted to put out into the world and um, just something to make people aware of. I say this all the time, I'm not promoting this type of behavior. I'm not saying that it's great behavior, but also I always use this to justify myself because I just think that people look at serial killers differently and there is a fetish for listening to these crimes that, you know what I'm saying, a Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know what I'm saying? There's a multitude of podcasts that are, that are talking about these people, but when it comes to this, it's like, yo, if, you, if you're singling, singling out these type people, you know what I'm saying, you get this, this tag, you get this label. And I just think that these people are very interesting. Whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing, it's just more of people doing things to survive whether you agree with them or you don't, these stories are interesting. So I'm just putting something out in the world um, just to make people aware of it. And also, man, just, if you don't know or never heard of it, that's another thing that I like to do on this podcast. That's why it was different for me to do somebody like 
uh, Nikki Leroy Bonds and Frank Lucas when I did New York, New York, because like they are like the popular guys. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's a whole movie, American Gangster, where Denzel Washington played Frank Lucas and Cuba Gooden Jr. played Leroy Nikki Bonds. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not like popular movies that are about Willie Lloyd. You know what I'm saying? So that's why. I like to do these podcasts just to bring awareness, to give people a different story of something that they may not have heard of before. And if you have my version of it, I would like to say the S. Foster version. So um, that's all I got today, man. I appreciate everybody's support. I appreciate everybody for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Shout out to my guy, Casey, um, for all the music on the podcast. Uh, shout out to Scoots Bronson that I do the views anonymous with. Shout out to JD, E, Carter, and my guy C. Shout out to all of those guys, man, in this little podcast community that we have. Um, I appreciate everybody's support. Keep listening. Uh, follow me at s.foster8 on Instagram and on Twitter at 28 Minutes or Less Pod. That is just on IG. Um, that's all I got, man, for episode 114. Until the next time, your boy S. Foster is out.